Hello, this is Tom Brevoort. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 196, and you are with your hypersequential Ray. Hello. Uh, and we will be talking about a Lunapic Modern Run review, thanks to a waxing crescent in the sky. I am joined by a very special guest from earlier on in the week as well. Uh, he's a critic, he's a Marvel.com writer, he's a social media manager for the Spool, Tim Stevens. Tim, welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> Sounds like I just left you. <laughs> uh, yeah, had a long way to come to uh, to, to, to make this second episode. Uh, and Tim and I, uh, we are reconvening to discuss Shadowland Moon Knight from 2010. Greg Horitz, uh, very cool, very cool run. It's only a three-issue run, but uh, we'll look at issue one. Uh, as always, as well, a big thank you to our Patroonies, so our co-producers and executive producers on each of the shows. Uh, you too can become a Patreon member as well if you check out our Patreon Patreon page. Uh, so a big thanks to Daniel, Justin, Derek, Wayne, Jordan, Josh, James, Russell, and Anthony for all your contribution. But thank you everyone for just listening. It's it's just fun um, to interact with everyone. Uh, talk about Mooney. Uh, a big thanks to our sponsors, Fringe Night by Daniel Doing, an original indie comic based on Erie, Pennsylvania's very own mysterious superhero. A big thanks to Hello Headphones, empowering gamers to play at their best, and of course, Dreamland Comics, the superhero superstore. Tim, are you my geography in the US is not very good. You're on the East Coast, right? So a bit far from Dreamland. Yeah, a bit far to go to Illinois. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's it's a little bit of a drive. Um, (laughs) Maybe I'll make it out there. Uh, My editor-in-chief over at the Spool is in Chicago, so maybe I'll get the excuse to kill two birds with one stone. But it's (laughs) probably not going to be tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, you know... um, you can just use the code and um, <laughs> and uh, you'll, you'll get some discounts there. Anyway, Loonies, as mentioned, we are doing a Lunar Pick Modern Run review, so we're going to crack straight into it. Uh, so as mentioned, this is uh, Shadowland Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 1. It was released August 2010. Uh, we have writer Greg uh, Huritz, uh, penciler Bong Dezo, I love that name, Inca Jose Pimentel, uh, colorist Matt Miller, and Chris Sotomayor. Uh, literate Joe Caramagna and editor Axel Alonso. Uh, now, also as well, it's available in a floppy format. You can still buy the single issue of it. It's available digitally and on Marvel Unlimited. And uh, I'm I'm reading it from the trade version as well. So they, they did collect um, one to three of Shadowland Moon Knight. Plus, uh, I think you get a, a, a volume one Moon Knight with with Daredevil in it, just because Daredevil and Moon Knight are in it. So that's pretty cool. Um, as always, listeners, for our modern run uh, Lunapic review, what happens is we will go through a bare bones. It's it's basically a summary of the the issue, so you kind of get a gist of what it's about if you want a bit of a recap. And then Tim and I will go through our um, our comments. Aspects from writing, art, themes, characterizations, references, and we'll cap it off with a moon rating. Uh, Tim, can I ask, uh, will you be picking from the vanilla rating system, or we do have Connishu's rating system, which is a little bit more, it's got a little bit more verve to it. 
I think uh, win in Rome, so I will embrace Connor's rating system. <laughs> Connor Shoes, actually. Connor Shoes, uh, he was um, one of the OG co-hosts um, yeah, on the show, so he came up with that system. Very good indeed. Now, Tim, I haven't discussed this with you, but would you be so kind as to read out the bare bones? This is courtesy of Marvel.com. Daredevil, the former defender of Hell's Kitchen turned leader of the ninja death cult known as the Hand, has summoned the villainous Profile to take Moon Knight out of the picture for good. And to do it, the Profile enlists the aid of a mysterious figure, a second avatar of Khonshu. Has Khonshu finally decided to replace Moon Knight? And if so, what hope does Moon Knight have of saving Daredevil and himself from the darkness of the Shadowland? Fantastic. There you go, uh, Looney listeners. Uh, just a, a brief summary of what this issue was all about. Uh, I think it's fair to say, Tim, the three issues as a whole really were, you know, that, that completed the whole, the whole piece, the whole story. But, um, issue one, there was plenty, plenty here. So actually just to open up overall, what did you think of this issue? There's a ton that happens in this mm. issue for a single issue. Uh, there is a lot of movement that goes on into this issue. Um, it's a mixed bag for me. I, by and large, I really like the issue. I like the art. I like, um, I like that it takes Moon Knight in a place where he's actually upbeat and optimistic about his future, which is very mm. rare. Uh, there's some stuff that happens later in the issue that I'm not a huge fan of uh, that feels a little tacked on. But by and large, I really like it. And as a setup for the confrontation to come between Moon Knight and Daredevil, uh, I think it's pretty intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, it's a, it's a good setup issue for mm-hmm. it. And as you say, there's, there's a load of stuff that happens in here. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, when I first read this, when I first read Shadowland in general, I, to be honest, I wasn't impressed uh, at all. I wasn't, wasn't too <laughs> happy with it. Um, I, I like the art. I thought the art was great. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the art just really pops for me. But the story, why the story was just like a little bit just too against the grain for me with 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 a lot of stuff. And we'll get into it. Um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of issues there. But reading it again recently, just over the last couple of days, uh, I've read all three of them again, and um, and. I'm actually taking and leaning towards it. Um, I mean, mm, I didn't think nice. I would. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to actually read the rest of Shadowland just to get the holistic um, view of the whole thing. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't find it as tedious this time. I actually, you know, actually, dare I say, enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, as you mentioned, uh, let's kick off. Things are going well for Moon Knight. So it opens up with Moon Knight pretty much upbeat. And, like, he, he literally calls it out as it's... What's he say? It says, um, sorry, there's a beautiful splash page here. Everything has been coming up roses. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not often you hear Moon Knight say something like that. Um, uh, but yeah, I thought this was a, a nice departure from your, your typical, I don't know, of late Moon Knight being a little bit down in the dumps, a bit lowly. Um, but we also get Jake in control here as well. So Mark Spector's gone, yep. which is a big thing um, by the time we get to issue three, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it, that got played up in, in maybe in Vengeance of Moon Knight as well, which is the series that just preceded this mm-hmm. uh, of Jake being sort of the the main personality that uh, Moon Knight's operating underneath. Uh, but it's interesting to see here because I don't remember them interacting a lot with Marlene. 
you know, and so we tend to think of Marlene specifically with Mark Spector. So it's sort of intriguing yeah. the idea that um, it doesn't matter who, who his quote unquote face is. She's in love with the, the man, not necessarily whatever he is at that moment, be it Jake or Steven or Mark. Yeah, I mean, that that's an interesting point that she does, does she say it here? Uh, yeah, I mean, they even joke about it later on in the issue where a, a little bit of a, a, a cruel joke, she pretends to fall off the, the edge of the, the building mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just just to just to have a dinner with Mark or, or Jake. Uh, but she makes a uh, mention here, it's too much fun getting to have all of you. It's like having an affair every day. So <laughs> um, I think I think she's taking it with in her stride. I mean, she really did prefer... Actually, I'd even say, Tim, she preferred Stephen Grant. Uh, in the earlier Mensch run, she would always talk, mm-hmm. address him as Steve or Stephen. So um, it, yeah. it's yeah interesting to see her interact with Jake. But it seems like she's taking everyone, like him as a whole, now, um, which is interesting. And of course, one of the big things here, um, Tim, is the announcement that Marlene is pregnant as well. Um, yeah, this is one of the things I don't love. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just because essentially what happens is it's announced in this issue. You know, she tells him she's pregnant, and by the end of the issue, if you read ahead, you know, if you read the second and third issue, yeah. that pregnancy is over. Um, mm. So it, it's very, it's. You know, on the one hand, there's a lot of stuff that happens, and that's to the book's credit, especially for a limited series. On the other hand, this is a pretty big development in both of their lives, and it is treated very much as uh, purely for plot purposes. So that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I was about to say, like, it's it's just it it is such a big thing, but then just just to actually further it, and just to have it as a driver for for Moon Knight to really go after. Um, Shadow Knight uh, later on, yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. Of, uh, it was a shock. I remember. I mean, I mean, this was the, this is a big thing, you know. Um, and so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like later on, we see in the Bemis run that um, Dietrich, um, we do actually get a, even more interesting mm-hmm. what Bemis does. And I, I wonder if they will. I wonder if we, we will see Dietrich later on, uh, Tim. I don't know. A lot yeah, of people reckon know. that she might be shelved. Yeah. But um, yeah. interesting idea, anyway. Interesting that. Um, I think Marlene had an affair with Jake uh, behind Stephen's back to have Dietrich. So that's right. and Mark, which is a very, very strange kind of premise, but uh, I kind of, kind of dig it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's the same guy. Uh, yeah. So very yeah. interesting indeed. Uh, also as well. So what we get, we get the, the profile. Um, he, mm-hmm. he makes a return here and, uh, I'm just going to jump down to our references to other runs. Of course, he's, he was first seen in the Houston run, uh, a very interesting mm-hmm. character. Do you like, do you, how, how do you take him as, as villains go? I mean, as a therapist, I find him interesting, you know, mm, because this whole yeah. thing is, it's all about the psychology of it. On the other hand, I mean, there's tons of, you know, sort of evil psychology characters. Mm. So that's a little you know, bit too bad, but I, I appreciate that he, the way he works a problem isn't purely through physical force. Yeah. Uh, it's always interesting when characters are like that um, in superhero comics. Mm. And I like that he, in some ways, is a mirror of who Mark once was in that he's he's purely for hire. You know, yep. he, he's started to take things personally because of how bad Mark beat him last time. But in general, he he's just in it for the money. You know, he has no particular morals. Um he could as easily be a good guy next week if somebody's got the cash on the barrel for him. So mm. uh, I, I like those kinds of characters. You know, in some ways, that's like uh, 
obviously far more flamboyant version is is Taskmaster, yeah. who you know has done has worked predominantly with villains, but also has worked with the good guys because whoever has the cash is where Taskmaster's going. So I always like that aspect of they're bad, but they're mostly bad because they don't care about anything, not because they're actually motivated by evil. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's uh, interesting as well that, I don't know, I found it very cool to see him share some space with, with Daredevil as well, you know, being mm. predominantly a, yep. moon, a Moon Knight villain, and, and I'm a, you know, Daredevil fan as well, just to see those two come together, I was like, oh, cool, because he'd pretty much been in his own sandbox uh, in the Moon Knight right. kind of corner. Um, so, yeah, so that was quite interesting as well. And he, so he he's looking for... I guess a new avatar of vengeance. Um, mm-hmm. So this is weird. It's come about really weird because um, Daredevil wants Moon Knight for, um, and again, I apologize because I did read all of them. So I, I, I apologize if I do bleed over to issue two and stuff, but um, it's revealed that, uh, uh, that, that, you know, that there's something, there's something here that um, is that, hang on. Am I, am I getting that right? There's a Sapphire Crescent that, that is the the weapon that will undo the beast, right? De- that is right. possessing yeah. Daredevil. That doesn't show up in this issue, but uh, that happens in the arc, yeah. Yeah, but Daredevil wants Moon Knight because of his association with with the Crescent, uh, I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, he's sort of, he's looking to take out uh, possible dangers to his rule yes. before it becomes an issue is essentially what he's doing. Yeah. So I mean, I just found it. Uh, I found it interesting. Well, it's an interesting take from the profile then to the way he goes about it to go to draw Moon Knight out. Is he he mm-hmm. will, he goes to what we find out? Um, he actually is not revealed as him yet, but he's this guy, um, and he kind of proposes to him that you know, you can serve Conchu. So to draw Moon Knight out. I guess the profile knows about Moon Knight um, and and Conchu and knows about how to best get to him, but his proposal to get someone else to basically serve Conchu um, and to basically start spilling blood in the name of Conchu um, mm. is going to draw Mark out. Which um, yeah, I think it's a quite a, quite an yeah. interesting way to, to to go about it. Um, it seemed to me it's very an interesting very play on the, yeah. Sorry. Oh no, I was about to say it's a very I was say, yeah. Sorry, sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> I was about to say it's a very precise way of, of trying to trying to draw Mark Moon Knight out. Right. You know, there could be plenty of other easier ways I would have thought, but I guess it goes into the whole um, eventually getting the Sapphire Crescent. I mean, that that then makes sense. And with the profile, you know, the last time he encountered Moon Knight, he went sort of right at him, for lack of a better way to put it, and you know, ended up swallowing a few teeth for his trouble. Mm. So this is a very you know. Fitting with the character, he's always looking at the angles, and the first time he got beaten pretty badly, mentally and physically, so it makes sense that he is now looking for sort of the most indirect route to getting yeah. to Mark, and that's going through this character mm. um, is a way to, you know, this is somebody who's most a physical threat for Mark, so the profile doesn't have to worry about getting punched again, but also, uh, you know, a very effective way of forcing some of uh, Mark's feelings to the surface that might make him sloppy or, or um, more likely to trip up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a very, very cunning way 
to do it. Um, I, I liked it. I mean, you know, I kind of went with it. A couple of questions as to, you know, why why do it that way. But, um, yeah, uh, I can see it. It's a bit more of an intimate kind of thing, um, an intimate way also to get to, yeah. to Moon Knight. Um, I thought of it – sorry. I thought of it like – I don't know if you're familiar with this character from DC, but there's a character called Major Disaster, and his whole <laughs> no. thing is he can do – like a very small thing and set off sort of a Rube Goldberg kind of sequence of events that results in his, you know, a massive uh, event. Wow. So I thought of it that way too, except psychologically that, you know, yeah. the profile is, you know, he's looking to get to, uh, to N, but uh, rather than just go from A to N, he's going to go through all these steps along the way to protect himself. And also, you know, it's just, he does the one small thing and sets off this sequence of events. Uh, that's sort of mm. how I was viewed. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, and I think that's very, in, very in keeping with the profile because it, he, mm. he's such a, uh, you know, he's not a physical guy, but he he really does. Right. You know, you've seen him in the Houston run. He figures things out. He he knows how to get to people in that sort of way. Um, I just want to jump also now to um, apart from the happenings of the profile and Jake and all that, we do get a nice little throwback uh, to the origins. Of of uh, Mark Spector as well. I like these uh, these mm-hmm. uh, sepia kind of flashbacks. They're really cool. So you do see Mark and Randall. And look, hey, again, I guess no spoilers, right? This is like ten years old. <laughs> so, um, so the the guy the profile does uh, kind of propose to become the Avatar. It is Randall, but in issue one, you don't know that actually yet. Uh, it's not really spelled out yet. Um, right. It's in it's a neat trick because what you're what is actually happening is you're getting flashbacks of randall's past yes but because his past mirrors mark so closely you don't actually realize that what you're watching is randall's life unfold and um that being leveraged by the profile what it seems like is the profiles off finding and recruiting this guy and also by the way oh here's mark's history it's only an issue too that you start to realize like oh no all that was about the guy that the profile is speaking to that's randall mm. so it's intriguing that you know you get all these flashbacks that in some ways feel like you yeah, know i i know who moon knight is i get this yeah. but an issue too it really comes together it's like oh actually you weren't watching moon knight's history you're watching mm. hatchet man's shadow knight's past yeah which is um and it's a very interesting i mean i guess we'll bounce to it now one of the the new bigger things uh in in one of the history in the history the retelling of him as a marine uh, he has it like a family as well, but doesn't totally engage with them. I guess there, there are some problems there, um, maybe mm-hmm. from the line of work that he's done. But during, it's down to maybe it's all those uranium tipped shells, um, and he he gets these like right. su- yeah. superpowers. <laughs> so it's never it's pretty it's it's never really explained. Um, but what did you make? This is a big thing. This was a big thing for me when I first read it. What did you make of this? Like for Randall. It's, uh, I'm not sure what we get exactly. I mean, what happens is, so he develops these superpowers and he does so at a time uh, where it ends up injuring very badly a nurse who's working mm-hmm. on him in the field hospital. And therefore he is uh, uh, dishonorably discharged because they think he assaulted the nurse. And from there, his life sort of, uns- you know, unfurls in a negative way, you know, he, he ends up in this relationship that he's unhappy with because mm-hmm. he's so unhappy with himself and so on. And he ends up looking like a mummy by the end of the issue. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know. 
I don't know why or what we get from him from it happening like that as opposed to, I don't know, him accidentally hurting the nurse or him having a PTSD flashback and attacking the nurse. You know, why it has to be he has eye beams all of a sudden. Um, yeah. I don't know. How did you feel about the fact? Because you know, for the most part, everything else about the character, you don't need him to have yeah. that kind of power for the rest. Even Not even this issue, but for the next two either. Yeah. I don't really... Uh, I don't yeah. know. I'm totally, uh, totally with you. Uh, I found it really odd. Um and it, it's a little less so, you know, on the rereads because you, you kind of you're not as shocked by what the hell is going on here. Um, mm. So you know, I just assume that this is a retcon of Randall, and for some reason, you know, he's given this. But you're right; there's no reason why he should have them other than him to be able to kill people a lot more easily. You know, in the later issues, I mean, he he, he cuts a path through. Um, was it uh, New Orleans? There's a, they go to a Mardi Gras, and well, anyway, that's a bit later on. But um, it's so funny you mentioned <laughs> he he's discharged for for injuring a nurse. Uh, I've got a shout out here from Bong Dazo, the the artist. When he does zap her in that panel, like he fries her skin off. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. it's not like just assaulted her. I think he melted her. But anyway, uh, that's kind of overlooked. Um, it's an interesting bit of uh, unreliable narrator because the text says, like, you broke her ribs is what Profile yes. says to him. Yeah. But it's very clear that he he almost obliterated her. So mm. I, it's an intriguing thing, like, is is it one of those things that happens sometimes where the art doesn't match the, the words? Or I think more likely the Profile is smart enough to soft pedal that again to like no you're a good guy you know it mm. was an accident you know these things happen as opposed to saying like yeah you just wiped her off the face of the planet yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of harder to rationalize as oh, an accident that's true and i guess he wouldn't want to tick him off as well i mean, right. I mean uh the guy's got a gun like we do we get introduced to him with a gun in his mouth so pretty shocking yeah. shocking images to get introduced to this guy um yeah yeah. Uh, so also the, these flashbacks as well. So we see again, interesting that you mentioned Tim about the the narrative and you know who these flashbacks kind of belong to. We see Mark very much warlike, uh, and, and that's kind of consistent with uh, the mm-hmm. the history of Mark Spector. I mean that that is the division that is created between himself and his father. Uh, but we see a bit more of an interaction here with with Randall. Um, so they do, you know, he's kind of. Uh, seen here as not really wanting to play these war games, but Mark kind of, you know, just coerces him into it. Um, so we get a bit of a life here. Uh, eventually this will, again, jumping a little bit, uh, eventually this will be a big crux, I guess, between Mark and his dad. His dad blames Mark for influencing um, Randall to, to, to take that kind of lifestyle as well. And, and you know, that, that causes the division between them all. Um, but yeah, I, I really like these. I, I did like these flashbacks again. We're, we're talking about the art. I enjoy these. Um, there's a scene here as well in high school where, um, it is Mark, right? I mean, so you mentioned that this was actually Randall's telling, but this, this is Mark. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he beats yes, up. That bit, that bit is Mark. Yeah. 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 He beats up these three bullies, um, beats them up good. I mean, saying as well. Right. Um, but he shows more and more kind of distance between him and his family and, and 18th birthday wants to join the Marines, that sort of, sort of thing. 
Um, yeah, I, I just really love the art here. Um, speaking of which as well, what are your thoughts, Tim, on it's actually a new kind of look for Konshu, uh, one that you, you see, because um, I'm just backtracking, Vengeance of the Moon Knight had, oh, that did have actually a bird as well, didn't it? The bird, yeah. yeah. Although the bird evolves. So yeah. this is sort of step two, and then we get to... Alice's interpretation and a few others where he becomes sort of the bone bird. Yeah. Uh, to the point that even, I think, is it Bemis's run or is it Alice's run where he dons the bone? The oh, Alice's. Yeah. 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 And that comes up in Lemire's run as well. It's one of the sort of uh, interpretations of Moon Knight that's bouncing around in his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting from that aspect that this is, uh, he continues to get increasingly bird like. Mm. Over the next fifteen, you know, ten years or so, you know, from uh, vengeance forward, you get this different yeah. look for Kanchu. Because if you know, from last episode, we did Kavanaugh's run, and Kanchu is very much the classic statue who yes. looks kind of like Moon Knight interpretation at that point. Yep. Um, and then you have when the revamp happens. He a, a he talks more. You know, he almost never talks in the original run. Yeah, uh, he looks like Bushman for a while and things like that. But yeah, they start to settle into this bird interpretation as to as opposed to the more human figure that we're used to. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I like it. I think I think he looks pretty cool. Again, yeah. I think it suits. I think it suits the artist as well. I think he's pulled it off. Um, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to think of other artists that it may not have given that uh, level of, I guess, intimidating nature yeah and, and, and it what, yeah. fits with egyptian lore too where their gods often were depicted with animal heads oh, yeah. on human bodies so you know yeah. it fits with that yeah it's quite good as well um and so here conchu i guess the main thing from this issue as well is that conchu is really kind of drilling home to mark you know he says he's spilling blood um, in my name, you know, this is what you're you're meant to do, Mark. And so this is actually raising that question, and it will come into effect later on because we see this guy slash Randall um, taking on Shadow Knight, the moniker of Shadow Knight, and actually doing Conchie's mm-hmm. will. Uh, and and Conchie's actually going, look, you know, this guy's actually doing <laughs> doing what I'd ask you. Um, but again, he strikes a, he he then strikes a deal with Mark. Um, you, you know, you can still be the avatar or whatever if you if you end up like killing killing this bloke. Um, so again, all that formulates with the drama of then Mark discovering that it is Randall a bit later on. But um, no, I like the use of Conchie here. I liked the interaction between him and and Mark. Um, it's a little bit more uh, direct, whereas like we saw in mm-hmm. Vengeance of the Moon Knight and stuff, and um, uh, it was kind of like, literally he was like a, a voice, like a little devil on the shoulder. Um, here, his presence is a lot bigger. Um, he's really just like, he, he gets marked down on his knees, basically, and he turns him into a right. bit of a quivering mess. So uh, I liked how powerful Konshu was shown in this. And it really speaks to Konshu sees Mark as a tool. You know, yep. this is, he's not a benevolent god he's not psyched at like oh great you're having a great time you're happy i'm so glad for you he has no interest in that in fact he wants mark miserable you know he wants him angry and dangerous he doesn't really care for a mark that goes into the field and makes you know jokes about musicals and that sort of thing Mm. you know he he wants him hyper violent he wants him cruel yeah he Uh, could care less about his personal life 
Yeah, I, I get the feeling as well, Tim. Like again, I'm I've just got to go back to the age of Conchu and how Jason Aaron depicted Conchu in that. Like a lot more powerful, I think. You know, he, he bestowed mm-hmm. this this uh this power on Mark Spector. This Conchu in Shadowland and uh, around it, say like Vengeance of the Moon Knight, it's a sense of almost as he's he's kind of like maybe the dregs of the deities. He seems very right. kind of like I'll take the scraps and um, not to say that Mark is is the scraps, but he mm. yeah he seems to be kind of like a, a bit of a, a bottom feeder um, in the the level of deities here because he doesn't we don't see much I guess power from him. He's just pretty much an influencer. Um, but yeah. Well, and even the the bird version of him, it seems sort of like the feathers are a mess. Mm, there seems yes. to be gaps where the feathers should be. You know, so he he seems kind of bedraggled. Yeah, um, exactly. Let, let me ask you a question. You know, how do you like your Kanchu? Do you like your Kanchu as oh. silent? Do you like him as sort of a, a mocking presence? Do you like this version that's sort of blatantly like? you know, murder in my name, you know, yeah. what's your practice? Yeah, it's a hard one. It, it is good because they are very good. I must I must say that I do like this um, uh, this more assertive Moon Knight, uh, mm-hmm. not, uh, sorry, Conchu, um, who really will be getting into the face of Mark because you kind of get then that dynamic between him and Mark. I mean, when he's... Uh, when he's kind of like the Bushman visage in, in Houston, and he's great in it. I mean, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but he's more like a conscience to Mark, which is uh, which right. is good, has its own merits as well. But I kind of like because you know I love I love this idea of the deities and stuff, and and I love this interaction that he has and saying that you know there are dire consequences if you do not so, like look. I've got this thing on you. I resurrected you. You know, you owe me big. It's like a devil thing. You know, you owe me big. Mm. So you need to you need to pay your due. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of like that. Now, how about you? Do you like the um? Do you like the it being in Mark's head sort of thing, or do you like more of a the real thing? Um, I think it's sort of a cop out, I guess. But I think I sort of like a mix. I like the idea of him being unpredictable. Yeah, you know that he is sort of he's pushing Mark. Not necessarily in the direction Mark needs to go, but in the direction he feels like Mark needs to go at any given moment. So sometimes, yeah, he's a conscience. Sometimes he's silent. Sometimes he is just nasty and unpleasant. Um, And if you do it that way, I think there's room for him also to have a side which is comforting or benevolent that we generally haven't seen. Mm -hmm. But I just like the idea of, of unpredictability in that kind of character where, you know, one minute he might be just taking Mark apart and absolutely belittling him. And the next, you know, he is a source of strength for Mark. Um, Just, it fits with, especially, you know, I don't know, growing up with old Testament God and, uh, you know, and and the concept of, you know, I'm not as familiar with the Egyptian hierarchy, but your, your Norse, your Greek, your uh, Roman gods are very much human in in that they are, prone to jealousy and you know they can be sources of great strength for people but also sometimes they just like destroy villages because they yeah. wanted to have sex with a woman and she didn't want to have sex with them uh <laughs> yeah. so yeah. i don't know how close egyptian gods hew to that but that's the sort of thing i i don't know probably better way i enjoy that sort of capriciousness of these yeah. super powerful beings who are yet still bound by their very human emotions yeah oh i, I see that when you say that oh, the first kind of god i think is zeus you, you know in that sense right, exactly um, yeah just just on a whim just decides to do something because it's just how he feels mm-hmm. like it and um yeah. what how would how then do you feel with conchu um 
do you do you prefer him as it might be you know adding on to what you were just saying as well do you prefer him as being like ambiguous and um like you're saying him being random um as opposed to say now like in the jason aaron run he's kind of a given like there was that ambiguity whether or not Conchu really existed for Mark or not. Um, yeah, I like that. I like the ambiguity because I think I don't, know, I don't want to get into anyone's religion, but I think anybody who you know in historically hears God, mm-hmm. there's an ambiguity there. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah. Um, how would you ever prove that you've heard God or or not? You know. Yeah. Um, if you're more science-based, obviously you're inclined to say no, and uh, maybe you're experiencing schizophrenia or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you're a person of faith, maybe you're more inclined to believe that. Um, but especially after you get past you know, biblical times, you get into, you know, I don't know, like Joan of Arc, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joan of Arc insisted she heard God, and we have absolutely no way of proving that one way <laughs> or another. Yeah. Um, but it's a huge part of her. And so I like that with Moon Knight as well, that like, he is having conversations that he easily could be having with just himself, mm. or this could be, you know, a, a real presence in his life. And, uh, and that fits with the sort of, um, like you said, the randomness, the, the yeah. up and down. Sometimes he is just a voice in his head. And sometimes he seems to be a big hulking bird that's perched on the car, you know, the hood <laughs> of his car yelling at him. It really depends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to kind of agree in that sense. I think there's something really, really nice to explore with that um but granted as well it's a it's hard to do that in a universe a marvel universe where gods walk among you you know what i mean um and and the fact that ambiguous but hang on you know we've got the god of thunder here you know there's there's zeus up there on the mountaintop Mm -hmm. uh this guy claims he's talking to conchu it's not that far a stretch to think that there are Egyptian deities, you know, influencing people. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, but I certainly do love that um, that kind well, of. Although, yeah. if you think about it in those terms, in some ways, that makes it even harder, right? Because you're a human being who knows Thor hangs out with the Avengers, yeah. and now this guy's saying a god talks to him. It's a lot easier to dismiss in our world where. You know, we have no evidence uh, beyond faith uh, of an existence of God or a God. Whereas in this world, there are gods, mm, um, and true. it's pretty clear they exist. You know, people come back from the dead all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's that much harder to dismiss somebody who says he speaks to a god because you're like, well, it's possible, I guess, because I did see Thor do an interview last night. That's, so <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 is true, actually. Um, yeah, for sure, and no, absolutely. Uh, the only difference, I guess, I mean, the difference with Mark Spector is that he doesn't doesn't portray any. Or display any sort of like godlike abilities, unless you know later on right. we see it. But um, but yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, I like how it's tied in with his potential uh, mental issues as well, which he certainly has. It's not like you know he's making that up as well. So, um, yeah, very very cool stuff, uh, indeed. Um, going back to some of the other aspects of the plot as well. So we've got. This feeds more into the main Shadowland stuff, but uh, we see a, an inter- interaction between Jake and Steve, Steve Rogers of the Secret Avengers, mm-hmm. asking Jake to infiltrate Daredevil's, um, what is it? Is it Shadowland? His Citadel? Or Shadowland, yep. Shadow, yeah. Exactly. Shadowland. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I like that 
um, idea and it's a good way of getting Mark right into into the middle or Jake into the middle of it all. Um, Daredevil, he didn't even need to. <laughs> he didn't even need to right. hire He's the profile. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but at the same time, um, again, writing-wise, I thought this was cool just to parallel it. Um, but, I'm, yeah, again, I'm not too sure what you think of this this brutal beating then of Marlene. I mean, your, your thoughts already on the pregnancy. Uh, this one to further drive home. Yeah. yeah. Do you have problems um, with this? I mean, yeah. it, it fits with Randall's history because when he shows up um, in the Kavanaugh run, one of the first things he does is attack Marlene. So yeah. it's sort of his move in that way. Um, however, you know, when that was written, it was, what, 1990-ish? Mm-hmm. And it's now, you know, 2010 when this is written. Uh, and we're looking at it in 2021. The more we see these depictions yeah. of heroes, significant others, especially women being attacked by villains as a means to get at them, yep. the more, you know, it's harder to swallow. Mm. Um, you know, you wish there was a way they could have made him, you know, frighten her or, you yep. know, show up at the house to make it clear he's back in a way that does involve her, that doesn't necessarily uh, involve just a a brutal beating. Um, I think part of what makes it tough, too, besides the pregnancy, is in the Kavanaugh run, she's shown as a physical force. Like, she doesn't beat him. She's not victorious over him, but she fights back. Mm. This one, it's just, you know, he really just, you know, uh, destroys her. Yeah. And there's little indication that... um, she was ever in a position to, you know, push back or defend herself. Yeah. So there's a sort of helplessness there that's kind of icky for me. It is, yeah, it is pretty much. Uh, and, you know, she's, um, you know, for want of it, she's not like, she's totally caught unawares. That's how I kind of take right. it, you know, as opposed to the Kavanaugh run, uh, she was already in her kind of street gear. Um, mm-hmm. She already had a, you know, she was ready, ready for battle. Yeah, this, you know, she's, she's getting ready to go to bed or something. You know, she's in the most vulnerable yeah. position. You, you can come She's in her, like, pajamas. Um, and, yeah, the way it was depicted was very brutal. Um, uh, this, actually, this run doesn't hold hold back on any of the violence uh, as well. Again, no. it's, it's a big difference. Only 10 years ago. Uh, and, right. uh, yeah, not much really censored here. But, uh, yeah, she gets really brutally beaten. Uh, and, of course, this is the, the impetus, um, as it was written for Mark, to, um, to, to track down Shadow Knight. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I, I shared the same feelings. I thought it was just, it was really hard to kind of, um, yeah, really hard to kind of read and and that same kind of thing. Uh, reading it now, going, gosh, this is yet a, yet another kind of way again that that you know she's used just to to further the plot and and let's make it worse mm. by having her pregnant as well. I mean, right, so, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So um, pretty hard there. Uh, but Shadow and I is, is certainly a, a brute. I mean, that's not the only one. I mean, earlier on as well. He kind of lays waste to the, again um, an alley full of women. Yeah. Unfortunately, oh yeah. My God. I mean they're sex workers uh, that he encounters, and in some ways that's even more disheartening because mm. he has no connection to them whatsoever, and it just seems like murder for murder's sake. You know? Oh yeah. Absolutely. At least you can rationalize the Marlene one as well. He's trying to get at his brother, but this one is just. Oh well, this one she he he wants to draw out Moon Knight, right? So he yeah. writes on the wall and particular graph again. Uh, she's not just assaulted. Uh, her face is 
It's like yeah, li- liquefied. Like, <laughs> I was gonna say they're like melted in the alleyway. It's it's rough. It's it's quite rough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so plenty plenty things happening here. Um, just going through notes. Any final things? Uh, oh look, I've only got um just some other small notes references again to other runs. I loved if anything. The reference to the underwater entrance to Mark's bedroom again. It's such a cheesy mm-hmm. thing from the Mensch run where he, he dives yeah. from the helicopter into the swimming pool. There's an underwater tunnel that goes up to his jacuzzi in his bedroom. Yes. And um, <laughs> more often than not, Marlene is there just like, just on the bed. Um, and we kind of, we kind of get that again here. Uh, but I don't know. It just looked a little less, less so. I guess because you just see him go into the, the pool and, it just pops out. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But beautiful art. I mean, I love this this uniform as well of uh, Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a lot more different, a lot more uh, street street wise, um, yep. armored that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. In speaking of the art, I really like the, the cover. It's the same person who was doing covers at the end of uh, Vengeance and Moon Knight. Um, ah, yes. Um, let me uh, see. Here we go. Uh, Francesco Mattina, is that oh, right? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. Francesco Mattina. Some beautiful. Um, sp- yeah. Yeah, I really like it. And if you've read the other Shadowland books, it picks up on a theme. So all the first issues of limited series are the heroes in the foreground and Daredevil sort of over them in the background. Mm-hmm. So that picks that continues this theme. But I think it's by far the most evocative, and um, it really for me it really works it really calls to mind you know sort of um uh just as a single image you know it, it speaks a lot to what's coming and and the danger of daredevil you know yeah. there's one that's i think it's um i can't remember the name of the limited series but it involved iron fist and um power man or and um luke cage rather right. and that art is very sort of flat and it's drawn well but it just doesn't have the same evocative mm. quality that this one does this one seems like dangerous you know that there is something very yes. dark about to happen so i really appreciate that and, and it makes moonlight just look totally kick-ass as well, yeah, as well. Great. it's <laughs> awesome <laughs> very good in it as well um yep. yeah uh, well i guess unless there are any other final thoughts tim on on the issue that you want to uh you want to cover uh, we can give this a rating. All right, uh, lead the way. Okay. Well, uh, well, I usually ask the I usually ask the guests first. Here, I've got one in mind. Look, as I'm going to punch it in. Well, how about you run down the rating system then, since we're doing the special ratings? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, for sure. Actually, you know what? I I don't think I've ever done that before. I've just taken for granted everyone knows it, but they don't unless you actually have the prompt sheet as well. So, linear <laughs> listeners, we're going to do the Connoisseur's rating system. As mentioned, it patented pending from Connoisseur himself. Uh, 1 to 10. Uh, so, ranging from... Uh, you know, ten being the best, one being the worst one. What the fuck? The clouds are in the way. <laughs> that was we haven't had one of them yet, so I'm um, you know pretty glad with that. All the way up to ten, the big fuck off moon. Um, no, no, no discussions with that one. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and, and crumb. So going to two crumb of a moon, DreamWorks logo moon, telephone moon, half the moon, which is right in the middle. Five, getting small moon. I don't know, Connishy, what you what you smoke in there. Solid round <laughs> boy, big beautiful yellow man, and the full moon for number nine. And as mentioned, ten, the big fuck off moon. So Tim, <laughs> um, what would you give this Shadowland Moon Knight issue one, one of three? I. Th- think i am leaning towards uh six getting small moon um (laughs) there's a lot i really like about it uh the stuff with marlene does undercut it a bit unfortunately and if i didn't read if i hadn't read two and three there's some unanswered questions that i think are a little too unanswered for a first issue if that makes sense um yeah you know as a moon knight fan it's it's easy to pick out that it's Randall, but if somebody, you know, every comic, somebody's first, if somebody was diving into this for the first time mm-hmm. or their first introduction to Moon Knight, um, I'm not sure it reads as clear, you know? Mm. So that I put it about a six. Okay. Look, I'd agree with you for that point as well. Cause I was, I was just thinking of how I felt trying to, you know, filter out what I know of Moon Knight and how I felt when I first read this. And I do remember being a little confused whether Shadow Knight, like, it's like, is he is he meant to be Randall Spector? But like, I was just right. like with his eye beams and stuff. It was it was playing against what I thought. Like, so a bit of me was thinking that's Randall, right? But then I was like, it can't be. That's not his history. So I remember being totally confused. Uh, yeah. So I think that kind of does play into it. I, I give it a little bit more. I give it a, a six and a half. So between the getting small moon and a solid round boy. Um, uh, <laughs> as I read this from the, you know, just more recently, I think before I would have given this like a, a, a four and a half or a five out of 10. Um, mm-hmm. But I have appreciated it a lot more uh, now. Uh, the art is great, but yeah, I mean, there are some things that are just, I don't know, maybe they're yeah, intentionally squirmish, uh, make me, make you squeamish. Sorry. Um and yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's a good setup. Uh, you, you definitely need two and three to read it uh, to, to get a fuller understanding. Uh, but as far as I guess a tie-in book goes, uh, this is pretty good in the fact that it's not beholden too much on the main story. You know what I mean? Where you do like there are some tie-in books where you read it and you go. Oh God, I, I have no idea what's happening. I've, I've got to have read the, the core books. This kind of stands mm-hmm. alone, uh, in the sense in that it's yeah, very Moon Knight centric. And, and I think that's, uh, something's got to be said for that. So uh, yeah, a good six and a half, um, out of 10 there. So there you go, loonies. Uh, Tim and I having a look at their shadow. Tim, I'd love, um, I'm not sure down the track if, if we can do two and three. Uh, th- this certainly, um, has piqued my interest in, in relooking at Shadowland. I don't know about yourself. Sure. I, I'm, I'd be game for it, absolutely. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, no, well, there you go. Um, absolutely, it'd be a lot of fun to do. Let's take a quick break. We do have some feedback. Um, so when we return, loony listeners, Tim and I will go through some feedback that we received on social media. Catch you then. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Yo, 
Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast, episode 196. Here we go. Uh, we're doing a Lunapic Modern Run review, and you are with Tim Stevens, special guest, and myself, Ray. Um, and we've got some feedback here, Tim. So I'm hoping maybe we can, uh, you know, you're the guest, if, if possible, if you like to read them. Would you like to do the first and the third one? And I'll go sure. for the second one. All right. So the first Absolutely. one. So, yep. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. Sorry. The first one that Tim will read is from our Facebook page. Um, yep. This is the Russell Moore in here. All mm-hmm. right. So Russell Morin says, uh, coming from the Facebook page, the storyline was notable for being the return of Randall Spector. No longer the Hatchet Man, though. Now taking on the role of the Shadow Knight. Prefer the Hatchet Man personally. Yeah. Thanks, Russell. Russell is a big villains fan, uh, Tim. So ah, I respect that. Yeah, I've got to mention, actually, a little shout-out to his uh, podcast, which has just started, Tomes of Evil, all based on superhero villains. Uh, really cool. But, oh, um, wow. Yeah, so he I knows... I'm a huge villain fan, too. I'll have to check that out. Ooh, absolutely. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll drop you his details. He always He's always up for a chat. <laughs> um, but off this, thank you, Russell, as well. Uh, Tim, do you have a preference, Hatchet Man or Shadow Knight? Um, I'm a sucker for a guy in a costume, so I think Shadow Knight gets the edge there, because... Hatchet Man's just kind of a guy with a hatchet, although sometimes he wears a, a sort of generic mask. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Although yeah. Hatchet Man is a different, more a more of a different character. You know, Shadow Knight's costume is almost exactly the Moon Knight costume. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Shadow Knight <laughs> with a bit more flair of his own is where I'm going. I'm not sure. <laughs> with, with some blue optic blasts, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean Hatchet Man. I um I do like only because he's like like can I say like real world scary? You know, it, it's right. conceivable yep. that someone would be walking around in pajamas and and a mask. Uh, Shadow Knight as well. As much as I do love his aesthetic and stuff and and his character as a whole, um for me I I always kind of um got them to get associated them together, Moonshade and Shadow Knight, um, because there's a, they're, they're just kind of like versions of Moon Knight, aren't they? So, uh, as you say, right. costumes very similar to Moon Knight himself. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So thank you, Russell, for for those uh, those thoughts. Next on Instagram, we have Green Lantern Guy two eight one four, and he says. I thought Shadowland was a great continuation of Moon Knight's story from the Vengeance run. I wish it could have been more than three issues. Uh, it probably would have served better if it did, perhaps. Um, it mm-hmm. would have been interesting to see more interaction with Konshu and the Beast. Absolutely. This was a thing that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, Tim, we didn't, we didn't really touch upon it because it, it comes later on. Uh, we were trying to really be issue-centric. But uh, this idea that Konshu and the Beast and this Sapphire Crescent was uh, I love this whole kind of intermingling between this because it actually links mm. Moon Knight to to the hand um, and yeah right. yeah um, yeah I don't right. know yeah did you uh, and finally um, yeah from- last up we had go back to the Facebook group uh, Anthony Sitko I hope I pronounced it right I apologize mm-hmm. in advance Anthony terrible story and even worse artwork so a little bit of discrimination here all right yeah. <laughs> they build up the crescent. <laughs> As the only thing that could defeat the demon inside Matt, and it gets wasted on Randall without any mention whatsoever in the main Shadowlands story. I own it because I'm a completist, but this was the worst MK story until Bemis came along. Yes. All right. So I don't think I made a lot of friends with Anthony this episode, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, no, um, Anthony's great, actually. Anthony's, um, uh, actually, funnily enough, 
Tim, you were mentioning a therapist, Anthony. I just again wanted to name drop as well. Anthony and his um his good friend, Doctor Issues. They do a Capes on the Couch where comic books get counselling. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they they go through basically psychology of of all heroes, villains, um, and how they're depicted in comics, and they get into the real mental issues. And it was funny that you mentioned in your presentation about um, Mark or Moonlight not having really DID. Uh, these guys pretty much came to the same conclusion as well uh very cool yeah yeah yeah. and and anthony's great he um he's a mass he's an i call him an omega level moonite fan a loony because he he has everything he even has italian versions of 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 the comics so yeah yeah um but yeah uh, a very different view here to yours tim um yeah well hopefully he can forgive my poor opinions (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a great thing everyone has different i mean everyone's taste (laughs) is different of course um but yeah um yeah i mean the one thing as well uh worst artwork come on anthony i love that i love this artwork anyway (laughs) anyway um there you go loony listeners um so yeah three very different views there thank you so much for for writing in you two can still write in your thoughts as well it's never too late always love to chat and and discuss with you uh maybe even yeah uh if it's easier to talk about it holistically issues one two and three i'm happy to chat with it uh chat with you as well so big thank you there Tim, I think that wraps us up. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, it's, it's been so so easy to chat with you, and and um, I really appreciate your your knowledge of Moon Knight and uh, and Shadowland. Well, thank you so much. I had a blast. This has been great. Yeah. Um, before you go, of course, as well, is there anywhere that these fair loonies can find you if they uh, would like to chat more? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ungaje. That's U-N-G-A-J-J-E. Um, I run the Spool Twitter account as well. That's at the Spool. Not really talking about Moon Knight there, but mm-hmm. um, starting next week at the Spool.net, uh, the website, you can find my reactions to Winter Sol- or Falcon Winter Soldier every awesome. Friday afternoon, hopefully, maybe earlier in the day if I can manage it, and. Um, my own website, timstevensisungage.com, which, uh, as Ray referenced, now is hosting a presentation I did at the Far West Pop Culture Association conference in which I talked about Moon Knight extensively and argued that he, in fact, does not have dissociative identity disorder. So uh, check all that out. And, uh, you know, feel free to drop me a line at any point. I love talking to people, so I'd love to hear from anybody who's interested. Thank you so much, Tim, and fantastic. I love kind of diving into that whole aspect of Moon Knight and, and your presentation. It's um, definitely worth checking out, Loonies, for sure. Uh, a little reminder as well, uh, we still have our entries uh, open for our prize giveaway of those beautiful Moon Knight pins um, from Destructo Disc Design and Media Patrol. So uh, get your entries in before Friday the 26th of March, and we'll announce it uh, on the show uh, on our 200th show in early April as well. So just check our social media uh, p- um, forums for, for the question. It's basically a, a panel of Moon Knight, and I've asked where, which issue is that from. Uh, so just leave your name and your address and uh, the answer, email it to us, and uh, yeah, be in the running. Should be fun. Also, incidentally as well, Patroonies, Patreon members, will have also an additional exclusive prize giveaway where you're automatically in the draw for um, the, it's like, the, the dark pin, which I think is the most limited edition one. So, uh, yeah, that's exclusive to Patreon members. Next phase, 
uh, for our two episodes, 197, 198. It is going to be a waxing gibbous, so up in the night sky. Uh, next week, uh, there'll be a waxing gibbous, and that means it is our other side of the moon segment. So that is covering a, an issue of a comic with Moon Knight in it, not necessarily, well, not his series title. Uh, we'll have a special guest, Justin the Owl Osgood, fingers crossed. Uh, he's been on the show before, great guy, one of the Patroonies as well. And for our idle chat in 197, we're going to be talking about Tigra. So <laughs> it's going to be a oh, fun, interesting. yeah, fun little uh, little joint there. Maybe a a, a past uh, what do you call it? I wouldn't say a fling. Maybe it is a fling for for Mark Spector and the West Coast Avengers. Um, yeah, it should be interesting to see uh, what Justin and I come up with there. Uh, so uh, also as well, a big. Um, Shout out to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Knight. Just check it out for all the incentives. You two can uh, be in the running for exclusive prize giveaways and bonus content. Uh, hello, headphones. If you use the code ITKMoonKnight, you'll get 10% off their online store. Go get yourself some new headphones. You you deserve it. And also in Dreamland Comics, if you use the code Moon, you'll get 20% of their online store. So, uh, so Tim, when you do make those trips to Chicago, just drop by and uh, get your back issues for 20% off. Um, we're also <laughs> also affiliate members for Entertainment Earth, all your action figure needs. And finally, we are part of the Collective, so a band of like-minded podcasters, all to do with comic or character-based, comic character-based um, shows. So the likes of The Collected Edition by Paul Matthew Carr, EMP, Earth's Mightiest Podcast, which covers Avengers, Deadpool, and X-Men, or Sons of the Dragon and Immortal Iron Fist podcast, all to do with Danny Rand. Go check it out. They are all fantastic shows. Finally, you can catch us. Drop us a line on email, itkmoonnight at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, Get Vocal, uh, Podchaser as well, and we have a website too with all the stuff. Um, so yeah, so once again, Tim, a huge thank you so much. Uh, you've got the day ahead of you. Hopefully, you, you've just got to pump some coffee into you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Intravenously. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, fellow Lenny's may country watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Goodbye, everybody. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.